This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and with me is my fellow bright-eyed, bushy-tailed greeter of 2023, Sharmila Ganesan. Sure, let's say that. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be that person. Okay, I'm looking forward with optimism. All right, I'll take it. Um, so it is our first show of the new year, and as is traditional <laughs> now for a couple of years, I guess we can call it tradition, we are going to take the time to look back on our favourite reads of 2022, and then after that in footnotes discuss our reading resolutions for the new year, just kind of setting the tone for how we plan to continue. So, um, Sharmila, how many books did you read in 2022? You know, not very many at all. I have to confess, for someone who does a book show, I did really badly in 2022. I think it might have to do with a certain exhaustion with content, I will say. We also do the movie show. I also mm. do the art show on top of that. Um, and so because of that, books has to really been where it suffered. Uh, books take more of an investment. They require more time. So really, most of the reading I've done revolves around the show. So I'd say maybe I read about... 20 books? Mm-hmm. 20 to 25? Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's respectable. I mean... But um, it's for work lah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember exactly how many I read. It's it's closing in on... Um, it's closing in on 30-ish, I think. But it's a mixed bag. And that's because, uh, as we can come to later, I really try to prioritise uh, reading. Mostly because I also fall prey to the exact same thing that you were talking about. It's hard to find the time to read. But anyways, uh, with if we look back then... At what was quite a busy year of reading for us, for the show anyway, we did book clubs, we reviewed books, we spoke to authors. Uh, for the books that we read for the show, what were some of your favourites? I think I'm going to start with the book that gave me the most delight that I really was so invested in um, and that I was really glad that we ended up reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, I don't think I went into this expecting it to be as poignant or as memorable. I think back to the book a lot. Um, Again, I think the best books surprise you with what they intend to do. It looks like it's going to be a light, almost chiclet-esque read. Um, but then when you do read, it ends up becoming about um, feminism and it, identity and race and gender and love and what it means to, I suppose, look back at your life and reflect on the things you've done right and wrong. Um, I love that book so much. And I think also it's a very easily recommendable book because it's not difficult to read. I agree with all of that. I think that it was a really fun story, even though it had a, um, a, a melancholic sense shot through it. For me, it also, I have a fascination with old Hollywood, with yes. classic Hollywood. And so the the telling of this woman's story through that lens of golden Hollywood, but the darker side of it, was very interesting to me. I will say, though, that when you say it's recommendable, I agree, but I think, I think... Um, we've talked about this elsewhere. It's quite a gendered book. I'm not sure how many men ah. would easily take to it, despite the fact that it is a page turner. And I say this um, not because I, I think men don't read or, or anything of the sort. It's just that it's a very, it's a woman's story. It's a female writer. It's about an actress. You know, there are a lot of things about it that your average guy visiting a, book sh uh, a bookshop isn't going to be like, oh, that one, yes, the green dress. No, so this is exactly why I think 
it should be recommended to men, right? Um, and and I recognize maybe they'll get halfway through or and realize oh, I, I can't get through this. Um, but it's so well written, to be honest. And you're right because of the Hollywood connections and the way in which it talks about how the studio system functions. I think if you're a nerd about history or if you're a nerd of film, uh, there's a good chance you might like it, even if you don't necessarily identify as a woman. Um, I'm just going to say very briefly, because if you caught our show towards the tail end of the year, you'll know that we both really love this book. But Tale of the Dreamer's Son by Preeta Samarasan was definitely one of my favourite reads of the year. I didn't know what to expect going in. Um, I wasn't sure... I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go. And the fact that it started with situating the character in May 13th, 1969, made me think it was going to be a certain type of book. Um, and instead, it was one that I, I just thought of as an immersive story. I couldn't stop reading it. I couldn't put it down, even though there were points where it made me very sad. Uh, there were also points where I laughed out loud. There were also many points at which I had to take a beat and... Um, I had to take a beat and try and situate the book in the Malaysia that I live in. And I, the Malaysia that I live in and who I am um, in the space I occupy. And I don't know, you know, it's just I think a book that makes you self-reflect and that makes you think about your homeland is an interesting one. Oh, Tale of the Dreamer's Son for me was probably a real highlight of last year. I mean, we did just talk about it. Um, so it's still very fresh in my mind. Uh, but I love coming across local novels that are, that feel, and I don't mean this as a, as a ding on the industry as a whole, but that feel significant in a particular way, right? Like, you could look back and you read this book 10 years from now and you feel like it has something to say about this point in time. I annoyingly messaged you saying, she's a novelist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that that's valuable to yes. say because there are times where you do read um, local books which are deeply enjoyable and which, you know, we have in fact reviewed on the show, but that don't necessarily feel as polished or like it's written with as experienced a perspective. And, and, and I think that that's what struck me about the book. So we're saying local book as if it was published here, which it actually wasn't. Yeah. Rita herself lives in France. But I think I want to use local book because it almost feels like Tale of the Dreamer's Son was written first for Malaysians, uh, both as an homage and a sort of almost nostalgic um, hope in a way. Uh, but it was written for Malaysians first. It's how Malaysians speak. It's how Malaysians think and communicate and relate to each other. Um, and then the rest of it is, well, world, here's Malaysia. Make of it what you will. And I kind of love that. So we, what do we have so far? We have Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Tale of the Dreamer's Son by Preeta Samarasan. Very different, uh, but both telling very wide-ranging stories. Um, I would like to bring up something that I uh, we didn't review on the show, but that was recommended by one of our colleagues, Lim Suan, quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Forcefully, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> fair to say. Um, and that is R.F. Kuang's Okay, let me get this right because there were three books. So it's The Poppy War, The Dragon Republic and The Burning God. Oh, you managed to do the trilogy. Ooh, um, so I this this did something to me that 
I haven't experienced in a while, which is I bought the first book thinking, you know what, I'm going to try it out. It's quite thick. Let's see if this goes. And then midway through the first book, I was like, I need to buy book two and three because if I am without these books and I don't know how it's going to end, how will I survive? And um, it's one of those four or five a.m. reading jags. Uh, it is, as Suen has mentioned on our show before, I think, quite a dark book. Uh, but what I found interesting and, and really fascinating was the conflation of fantasy, myth, horrors of war with real elements of Chinese history. Um, I, I think I'll just say this, the main character, Rin, who is who is the protagonist, but not necessarily the good guy, um, is modelled upon Chairman Mao. So I have, of course, seen Suan both talk, uh, well, heard Suan and seen her post extensively about these books. And the only thing that kept me away was uh, a sense that it was quite a heavy trilogy to get into. Okay, so I um, I think it's heavy in in the way that good books writing about wartime horrors are heavy. Um, there are serious betrayals that happen. Um, the, the main character, Rin, her head is not always a pleasant place to be in. Having said that, the books are so propulsive and consistent that once you start reading it, it's not difficult to get through at all. I blaze through them. Ha ha ha. Sorry, sorry <laughs> fire pun. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll end up on my 2024 look back reads. Good oh my God. God. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ahead of us. It's too early in it the year is. for let's you not, to okay, throw. Let's move yeah. away quickly. Um, actually, speaking of fantasy slash horror, um, I wanted to hark back to a book that we actually read quite early last year, which was The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laval. Um, because I'm a huge H.P. Lovecraft nerd, uh, but also wear that a little bit uncomfortably as years go by, I really appreciated um, being able to read this book. We did it for a book club. And Essentially, it reimagines one of Lovecraft's um, very racist short stories. Most called, problematic yeah, stories. Yeah, called The Horror at Red Hook from the point of view of a black character. And um, really, I mean, I thought it was such a clever book, but also a book that exists very well on its own. It doesn't only rest on the laurels of being a reimagining of a Lovecraft story, uh, but actually has something significant to say. And even if you've never read the short story, I think it's just an interesting read. It is very dark um, and very sad. Uh, but I think if you're looking for ways in which problematic literature or problematic writing and authors can be um, reimagined, um, can be updated, or, or I suppose, what's the word they use? Deconstructed. Uh, this is a really good example. We're talking today about our favourite reads of 2022 to start the year off. Um, we'd like to hear from you. What was the best thing you read last year? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. And for our first show of the year, we are looking back, actually, so that we can start the year fresh um, and talking about our favourite reads of 2022. Thus far, we have mentioned uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Tale of the Dreamer's Son, um, the the RF Kuang Burning God trilogy, such Phoenix trilogy situation, um, and Ballad of Black Tom. Yes, which is a novella. A novella, yes, yeah, that's true. Worth saying. So, um, you know, if you wanted something very slim to start the, the, the year with, that might be a good one. Uh, I would like at this point uh, to bring up Madeline Miller, whom I've, uh, whom I've spoken about before. And I mentioned, you know, just absolutely 
falling apart over <laughs> reading uh, Song of Achilles. And then I read her other book, Circe, which is the one that I know you've read. Mm-hmm. And um, then I fell apart all over again. And I think that any writer who has the skill to do that to you um, is is someone worth reading. This is also part of my theme for last year because there was a chunk in the middle of the year where I did feel like I burned out a bit um, on not just reading, but consuming things, consuming films, shows, what have you. And I made a note to myself to just read read for pleasure and read what would keep me going. And I think that's why I went back to my old familiar haunts of fairy tales and mythology, uh, which is how I found myself going to the Poppy War series, as well as uh, defaulting to Madeline Miller. So I have Achilles. I bought it because of how much I loved Circe. Um, and I haven't been able to get to it. Not even because I didn't have time, because I was scared. Because I was scared that my heart would break. Read it for Valentine's Day and just fall apart. It is such a romantic book, but it's so heartbreaking. Okay, la, so Resolutions is a bit later, right? But but you'll hear about it then. Uh, but Circe is such a good recommendation. Uh, I'm glad you brought up mythology-inspired books because um, probably one of the few things I read because I needed a little bit of a break from things I was reading for work. Um, it's a reread. I've read these before. But there's an Indian author slash illustrator called Devdat Patnayak. And he basically does these um, examinations, retellings of things like the Ramayana and Mahabharata. Um, and they're all illustrated in this really quirky, accessible style. And... I have um, a few of his works. Um, there are a number that I've had my eye on that I haven't been able to get to. Um, I just love rereading them because, especially in this age of um, most religions, I think developing a very fundamental hardline stand on many things, um, and with some of the rhetoric coming out of India, um, I think there was a point in last year that I was feeling a little frustrated with the way religion was being weaponized and rereading these versions where. Um, these stories, these myths were examined through the lens of philosophy and how um, his his approach or his thesis is almost a sense of these stories are meant to be um, inspiration and guides, but not definitive truths. And that's something that I really enjoyed. Um, and even if you just want a great way to access these epics, which can seem quite difficult if you're not from that culture, um, Devdat Patnayak is a great way to... Um, illustrated versions of Ramayana, Mahabharata and so on. From that to science fiction, um, (laughs) there was a book that I read right at the end of um, right at the end of 2022 and I finished it in, I, I don't know, a day and a half because I just wanted to know what was going to happen. I'm not sure that everybody is going to be in the mood for it because it is a pandemic post-apocalyptic book that was written pre-2020 and yet seems incredibly prescient. And so um, if if that's not for you, if you don't really want to read a hypothetical pandemic in which people do wear masks and have to avoid one another, um, maybe not the best, but I have so much to say about it. Uh, Severance by Ling Ma was a, a book that I just absolutely loved. It is allegorical. Um, It is great science fiction. Now that we have lived through the pandemic to a degree and have a little bit of hindsight, um, it's also kind of amazing to see how it was written. So it's... um 
it is about the millennial condition and our our attachment to our things and our routines and living in cities and consumerism. But it's also the story of one woman who falls in with a group of people who are all trying to escape Shen fever, uh, which is a fungal infection that originated from Shenzhen um, out of out of inhumane manufacturing conditions. And because of that, a new fungus was formed. And because it started in manufacturing hubs, it very quickly went around the world. Um, and what happened with the fevered was that people which is what the people who have Shen fever were called, um, is that they turn into, I guess, what we would recognize as zombies, but they don't attack you, nor is human-to-human transmission possible. Instead, what they do, and this was the most compelling part of the book, is that they fall endlessly into their own routines. They can't stop. What the fevered do, uh, replicate mindlessly the things that they used to do as they waste away. It's such a good book. It's sharp, it's incisive, it's funny, it's sad. Um, and I think that if you are a person of a certain age, if you fall within a... If you're a millennial, however, you know, it's a wide age range, but if you are a millennial, you'll recognize yourself in this in a way that makes you uncomfortable. I first thought you were setting up, because you didn't say the title, that you were talking about Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Uh, yes, so there are a lot of post-apocalyptic books, admittedly, and, and they are, I think, increasingly veering towards a more thoughtful idea of what civilization after whatever the end is could look like. Um, I hadn't heard of Severance. It made a lot of best of book lists mm. in 2018, but I missed it. And um, I just encountered it recently um, when I was at the Georgetown Literary Festival in Kinokuniya had set up there and it just looked good. And I fell in love. It's such a good book. I would recommend it to anyone. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Um, I, I think I might pick that up, actually. It's a bit pandemic-y, so yeah. just fair warning. Well, um, if, we would, if we're talking about sci-fi, actually, I have to bring up probably... Um, my return to a favorite author, Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Oh. Um, probably one of my favorite reads of the year. Um, one admittedly biased, I just love Stephen King. Um, I loved going back to him after, for me, quite a big break. But also just such an un-Stephen King book. It, it's a genre that I love, um, fairy tales, obviously, but also a coming of age. Um, it's so beautifully written. It has such a poignant heart, um, father-son relationship, Um a, a treatise about aging, um, I think. And, and yeah, I think even if you're not a King fan, I think this is something worth picking up. I'm, you know, it's not just science fiction. That was a pandemic book. He wrote that yes. during the pandemic. And it is a different reason, right? Because um, while Severance is about, in some ways, the pandemic that was coming that she didn't yet experience. Uh, fairy tale was Stephen King's response to being locked up and wanting locked up, being locked <laughs> at home, <laughs> and and wanting to bring happiness to people. And and that feeling really rings through the pages. I mean, in the way Stephen King can love, because there's also some parts that just kind of make you feel like you're terrified and want to lock your doors. But that cockroaches the size of small dogs. Yes. Yeah. But you're right. It is actually a very a very touching post-pandemic read that makes you reflect on the people in your life and uh, how even fleeting relationships can be really meaningful. I have accidentally, I think, now talked about all female authors, so I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> last year was my first experience with the Neapolitan books by Elena Ferrante. Um, I started with My Brilliant Friend, and um, I get it now. I, I think for people who... Um, Maybe maybe other people don't agree, but if you look at the covers of the Elena Ferrante books 
And if you don't know anything about the mystery surrounding who she is, is she an Italian professor? Is she a this? Is she a that? Then the hype around them is a little bit difficult to quantify. But then I feel like there would be no Sally Rooney without an Elena Ferrante, ah, yes, you yes. know, without somebody to write about the complications of femininity and female friendships and relationships, without someone to talk about the the everyday violences that people inflict on you and that you inflict on yourself. And, and just to do all that in, in a very internal but com- compelling way. Um, I loved that book. I... I've waited to continue because I find them kind of disturbing. Um, The characters continue to live with me for a while longer than I'm actually comfortable with. But I love it. For You know, if you've been waiting around to see whether Elena Ferrante is for you, I would thoroughly recommend. Just to close off on my recommendations, speaking of female writers, uh, Karina Bahrin's The Accidental Malay. Uh, Again, one of those books I didn't expect to have as much of an impact as it did because it reads feels, even looks. The cover is like misleading. A lit. Um, but it's 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 a great read. It's also a, a sort of a sad, uncomfortable read. Um, and I am just actually really glad that we're getting so many books uh, of late from local writers that are taking on um, not just difficult subjects, but choosing to do them in such different and creative ways. So we have been talking today about our favourite reads of 2022. After this, we are going to be talking about our reading resolutions for this year. But let's just quickly run through the the full list in case you wanted it. So we started with uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. We talked about Tale of the Dreamer's Son. Um, And from there, we moved on to The Ballad of Black Tom, I believe. Yes. Um, After which we spoke about Circe. Circe, um, David Patnaik's books, any of them, uh, whichever part of Hindu mythology you might be interested in. You also talked about the Poppy Wars trilogy. Yes, uh, and then Severance, uh, which is not the the Apple show, but instead the 2018 novel by Ling Ma. Yes, and then Fairy Tale by Stephen King and Accidental Malay by Karina Bahrain. There you go. Um, let us know what was your favourite read of 2022 if you want to WhatsApp. It's 018 you can also tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. That brings us to footnotes, uh, where it's just a very quick one, I think. We're going to be talking about what we plan to, not exactly what titles we plan to read this year, but more our general reading resolutions. Sharmila, what do you have? Are you ready? My reading resolution starts with, in some ways, the exact opposite of a reading resolution. Oh, I'm going to downsize my book collection. Oh, you've been talking about this I for have, a while. But mm. I have a plan now. I think I'm going to um, sell them. On social media, uh, books that I... So, to be clear, not all my books, um, but books that I feel I'm not going to read again. Books that I don't really have an interest in revisiting. Um, I'm going to sort them out, which in itself will take a long time. Um, and then I'm going to sell them and then I'm going to use the money either to buy myself new books. So I think if I'm feeling like I can, perhaps just to donate the money because I don't necessarily need the money. I think I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, off late, I often feel like books are just piling up. So that's my first one. That's nice. Um, I, in a similar fashion, have finally sort of begrudgingly, slightly <laughs> made my way towards 
reading ebooks. Um, this, I think, is born from the show, but now out of convenience because, uh, well, nobody cares, but I, I've swapped my reading routine. Um, which is that I no longer read at night. I'm too tired. Mm. Um, and I find that trying to read at night was just not working out and leaving me feeling very unsatisfied and like a bad reader. Um, so now instead, when I go for my morning walk, I take a book. Oh, that's such a nice idea. Yeah. And um, so far, I have not kicked a cat or um, sort of walked into a tree or, or anything. So I feel like, you know, it's sustainable in the long run. And yeah, so I've been reading... I've been reading lots actually in the morning because I'm awake, um, I'm getting exercise and at the same time, I'm reading for a solid hour. So that relates to my second reading resolution, actually, which is to build in time in my routine to read. I might have talked about some version of this before. Clearly, it's not been very successful. But I think I build in time for the books I have to read for work. I don't build in time for the books I want to read because I want to read them. So my advice there would be reconsider the time you read. I, I found that switching it to the morning. I think you're right. Um, as you said it, I realized that when I start reading at night, I'm either too distracted or I just want to fall asleep. Exactly. And, and so reading in the morning has been a total game changer. Ooh, treadmill. It's really, treadmill read. Ah, it's really helped me finish things. Um, and, and also it when I find something compelling, I don't then have to, oh, do I want to sleep or do I want to keep going? You know, I can just keep going. Um, but that, sorry, just to complete my point, And that's why I'm going with e-reads um, because I can hold a paperback comfortably in, in one hand <laughs> and walk. Um, but there is also something to be said for the convenience of the phone. So I have reluctantly found my way towards buying e-books um, and, and that has been helpful. Uh, my other one was to... To build, and this is just the closer, um, it's to build a closer relationship with my reading self. In, in other words, being more attuned to how I am reading, how I'm feeling about what I'm reading, because that for me, again, was the biggest change from 2022, being able to recognize that um, for some reason, I bought five books and none of them were speaking to me because I, I bought either books that were too serious or too anything for the mood I was in. So if you need to read YA, read YA. Um, if you need to read something that everybody is saying is really addictive or, or, you know, whatever the trending book of the moment is, and if that's the thing that gets you back into reading and reading in the morning because you realize you're sleepy at night, um, you know, all these things. I think making adjustments for my reading habit has resulted in me reading so much more and enjoying my book so much more. Oh, that's actually such a great point. Um, see, a lot of this comes back, I think, to me needing to rediscover my love for reading. Um, and, and, you know, this is a problem when you do things for work that you do love in real life, uh, that it ends up feeling like work. And I, I think it also means then, um, so I recently went on holiday and I rediscovered that I do enjoy reading while I'm on holiday. I do enjoy walking into a cafe and reading a book that's not because I have to finish it in time to interview somebody two days later. Um, but I think it does require an active engagement with the act. And also just in a way, the same way you need to remind yourself that you like hanging out with a friend, I think just thinking to myself that I'm doing it because it gives me joy rather than 
only for work. I think that's perhaps a, a loosey-goosey resolution that I'm thinking of for myself. So what are your reading resolutions for 2023? What are you going to do to read more or, you know, offload your books or whatever it may be? Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.